Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey there guys, how's it going and welcome to the 15th episode of the Casual Gamecast, a weekly video game podcast for the everyday gamer brought to you by the team at Casual Game Critic. I'm your host Phil Kyo and with me as always is the wonderful Shane Bow. Hello Shane. How are you? And making his Casual Gamecast debut is the spectacular Vinny Green. Vinny, how's it going? Not too bad, how's things? Not too bad. If you have listened to us before, we want to welcome you back here. It's good to have you back. And if this is your first time to stumble across the Casual Gamecast, welcome. This is obviously the most casual Gamecast on the interwebs. We welcome you. We welcome you. So, fellas, how are we? Um, First of all, Vinnie Green, welcome. Uh, First time here, one of our newer writers and one of our more prolific writers. How are things? I'm good. Um, I'm hanging in there, you know. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's uh, it's been a been a busy few weeks, you know. I'm just pumping out the articles and just a lot of uh, personal projects on the side, you know. You're a busy dude. You're a fella that doesn't like to keep uh, quiet for too long. <laughs> yeah, I know. You know, it's just the best thing about it is uh, you, you got to keep active to quieten the voices in your brain, you know. <laughs> 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 you got to put them down on paper, or else you're just going to drive yourself <laughs> yeah. nuts. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, if I put them on page, they're characters. If I keep them in my head, they're other personalities, you know, so. Yeah, exactly, exactly. That's it, that's it. It's it's uh, turning a craziness into creativity. I like it, I like it. And uh, Shane, how are things? Yes. Uh, how are you from last week? Um, I've returned to work, Phil. Hey! I have returned to work. So I actually, like, going forward, might have some news and things to talk about. It's not just me sitting at home, like, writing articles and editing this podcast isn't it um, a terrible state of the world where when you return to work is the uh the state in which you may have news yeah well like the only other news i had was cgc related and people can see all that news because i post those articles and i post we post the podcast so there's no point in talking to people about that you know mm-hmm. can i still ask you random questions every week oh well, yeah sports coverage yeah Why okay not? cool 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 so this week's random question to shane off the top of the dome is what in your current kitchen cabinets, have you the most tins of? By which I mean, what do you have in your kitchen cabinet that you have an overstock of in canned form? Tomatoes. Tomatoes. I was expecting <laughs> beans. <laughs> I. Do you know what? I don't. I. I, I would have said beans. Only I, I ate them. 
<laughs> <laughs> beans is like that, per, that 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 never-ending food that's just forever in your in your um, yeah, cupboard. Isn't exactly, it? <laughs> exactly. Like I, I'm, I'm as a snack, I'm a really big fan of beans on toast. Like it's mm. one of my favorite snacks to have. So I eat a lot of beans on toast. But I have like cans of tomatoes and stuff for making like pasta sauce. And I haven't made pasta sauce in a while because I've been la- lazy <laughs> and just getting it out of a jar. So do you know what? Do you know what's the one can that's always in my press? It's um. Kidney beans. Kidney beans are the assorted beans that you can put into like a chili or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We always buy them. We always forget we bought them. Even when we're making a chili, you know? With good cause. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> With good cause. Um, before we get into the news, I did want to touch on Vinny. You, as I mentioned at the beginning, are a prolific writer. Um, not only just with CGC, you you've done a lot of articles on the web. Um, you know, with other um, let's say blog sites, much similar to our own. Twenty five to uh, years later, um, you've done obviously both sports and games and movie coverage for those guys. Mm. Um, you also are a um, I guess a full on writer. You know, not not just like us that are just writing video game stuff. Like you actually enjoy the craft. Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. It's a it's a big challenge. One thing I love is when you're like nodding off on the couch and a name comes in your head. Like literally, like anytime most of the names of my projects, I'm like dozing off and a name will just pop in my head. I'm like, what's that story about? And then yeah. I will rack my brain for weeks and weeks and weeks. And like literally, like I'm like throwing nonsense at my missus, and she's like, "What are you talking about?" I'm like, "I've got this idea," and she's like, "Write it down." It's like, "Oh yeah, I have it written down," and I have no books filled with just random thoughts that, like, if anyone was to read them, they'd really think I had a mental health issue. It's just like, it's like literally, it's it could be like just like random character's name question mark, and then I'd be like, "Oh, maybe he gets struck by lightning question mark," and like neither thought has anything to do with one another in that moment. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But like six weeks later, like you, you'll join them up, and that's that that epiphany moment and you just that's what i die for like and live for it's just that epiphany moment you know what i mean that's awesome like you you obviously do uh <laughs> you you reach into those uh parts of your mind that those of us uh most of us are most afraid of but you you seem to harness it which is great <laughs> <laughs> um but for us you you've been really focusing on uh video game stuff and it it's been less in a kind of a, rev- a review let's say realm it's more so been think pieces such as you know um, the after effect of playing a triple A video game, the uh, the kind of uh, the little deaths that you have after that, where no <laughs> other game seems to fill the void. Uh, and most recently, you've done a kind of a two piece on um video game adaptations. Uh, I have to say, fantastic as well. But do you want to tell us a little bit about that one? Um, that was one of those cases of when an article takes on life of its own. So, like, um, I was talking to Paul Mason, um, like uh, a week before. I um it was due and I was like oh, I'm in research mode you know and I'll have free and mm-hmm. I claimed the Friday date and I can remember and then I started writing and I kept writing and I kept writing and it just like it <laughs> there's kept, a lot to go on oh my god it was it was insane I could not believe it. and I was learning so much and I love the, doing these kind of historical uh, retrospectives where mm-hmm. like in the past I've done like stuff about Irish horror or Australian horror I love looking back at a genre piecing it apart, looking at the history, looking at the reasons that the future and the history kind of worked out the way it did, you know, that kind of mm-hmm, sense. Mm-hmm. And I and I love learning, like I'm a history nerd. So when I'm looking at history of anything, I love that kind of learning that like, you're like, you're opening up doors, constantly revealing all these cool secrets you had no idea of. Like and yeah. one thing I really enjoyed when I was doing the game and adaptation was looking up about why Halo 
the Halo movie um, never worked out. And when you read some of the, the interactions that like Microsoft had with Fox mm-hmm. and Columbia Pictures and Fox traded it to try to kind of like, for you, lack of a better term, kind of shaft Microsoft out of their money because they wanted a bit yes. more. And, and Fox and Columbia went behind their back and decided, no, we're going to match each other's bid. And then we'll go into it as giant producers and Microsoft are like, what? This is not new. This is like totally new territory for us. And These are the stories that you don't really hear mm. in, in, in the generalities. Like all you ever hear is like Halo uh, movie has been postponed or Halo movie is still on the coals or whatever. You know, you don't generally hear that like, yeah, because four different conglomerates are fighting over the rights on who makes the most money off of it. You know, it's it's it's, it's really interesting. These stories that do come out like. I guess the question is, Vinny, because you you spent the first article looking at kind of, uh, you know, the older examples. And then the second one, more so looking at the contemporaries, if I'm correct. Yeah. What do you feel was, I guess, the most interesting, uh, not to give away the article, of course, do go to casualgamecritic.com and check out the articles for yourself. But... If you had to like pick, what was the spiciest example? Uh, what was the spiciest game adaptation that like you looked at them and wow, I didn't realize this much was uh, involved. Um, like the one that actually came to our screens, like like a lot of the time, the problem with game and adaptations is not enough actually went into the process. Yes, and that's the main problem. Like when you actually look at, it, like there wasn't a lot where you like you look at like. Oh, this was really broken down. They really like took this subject matter apart and like kind of like, you know, paid it the homage it deserved. But like, no, they didn't. A lot of the times it was rushed to market. It was mm-hmm, met by people mm-hmm. who didn't understand the source material. It was like, like a lot of the times it was the decisions came from people who didn't respect the source material. That was gotcha. one, that was one thing that I kept finding was a reoccurrence throughout all the research I did. Uh, it was constantly you had these studio executives that had no idea what to do with these things. They just wanted to make. Of course, a, of course, it was a new world. Yeah, they just wanted to make a quick book. Like you know what I mean. That's all it was. Like you know. And like, what? Which one was the most controversial? Um, I think like when I look back through the Halo, how that was handled, how Neil Blomkamp was kind of like nearly betrayed, you could say, because they brought him originally. Microsoft wanted Peter Jackson. This was in the wake of the Lord of the Rings trilogy, I believe. And like, right, they, and they wanted him more than anything because they thought that's the visionary we want to bring our fantastical world to life. But he wanted to come on in a producer role, and he wanted Neil Blomkamp, who was uh, like he never made a feature film at the time. He's the director mm-hmm. of District Nine, Elysium, you know, um, yeah. Chappie, and like he had, the, he has this real kind of urban kind of cyberpunk style. It's it's kind of like the it's like if you ever seen Aliens, where it's like it's nuts and bolts. It's a, it's, yes. it's a futuristic urban landscape, but it's very rough. I think it could work quite well with with Halo, you know, especially like if you if you think like Chappie, for example, like that that world looks like an off world on Halo, you know. Oh, oh definitely, like literally, yeah. literally, like even um, District Nine, like the weaponry in District Nine is straight from like the like the I was going to say the pages of Halo, but that's not right. <laughs> the <laughs> chapters, the on screen chapters of Halo, I guess. <laughs> the pages from the official uh, novellas, I believe, that go along with them. So yeah, it could do, but. Not to spend too much longer on this because, lads, we're going to give away all, all that there is to find on that. Where can you find those articles? You can find them at casualgamecritic.com. Lads, will we get into the news? Let's do it. Shane, play the thing. 
news. Okay, guys, we do have a packed docket of news today. It seems like EA are doing their shenanigans again. Oh, that pesky EA. <laughs> pesky, pesky <laughs> EA. Is there anything they won't loot box? <laughs> Honest to God, this 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 is their shenanigans again. It's more loot box shenanigans. The king of the microtransaction. Yes. So, yes. Um, EA uh, have a lawsuit against them. And the the lawsuit pertains to loot boxes yet again. This is a different lawsuit to the other loot box lawsuit. Now, don't get to confuse Phil, okay? <laughs> there must be like a form <laughs> when you navigate to EA's website to say, do you want to sue us? Yes. And the first option <laughs> in the drop down is, is this related to loot boxes? Yes or no? <laughs> so- yeah, basically. Um, so we all know the reason they got sued for Battlefront was because it was discovered that there were in-game adjustments made to persuade players to purchase loot boxes. Yes. So, like, difficulty was tweaked and stuff like that um, at certain points of the game. So now a group has taken a lawsuit against them claiming that they're doing the same thing with FIFA in order to encourage people to buy FIFA packs. Oh, okay. So specifically with their their uh, ultimate team mode, um, they're, like, increasing difficulty and challenges and stuff in certain parts of the game to basically make people have to, have to go buy um, foot packs to try get better players. And, like, the foot packs are random loot boxes. You don't know who you're going to get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, like, the FIFA loot boxes are probably the most egregious in the industry. Yeah. You know? Like, like they're nuts. Like, give us X amount of money and we'll give you spins on a wheel. It's like what Overwatch used to do with skins. Yeah. Only exactly. these aren't cosmetics. These are actually mechanics in which you can better win the game. And paid purchases as well a lot of the times. Yeah, yeah, and a lot of times there are multiple upon multiple purchases to get what you're looking for. You want your drug bar or whatever, like <laughs> yeah. you know, you can't pay for that. You know, you have to yeah. pay for the chance to get drug bar. You know, and it's like that's it, like it's it's nuts. But um, I think yeah, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. Yeah. As a non-FIFA player, though, you know, I got very little skin in the game. Vinny, are you a FIFA player at all? Uh, yeah, I've actually played pretty much every title for the past 20-odd years. Um, <laughs> what, what the hell are we talking about? So, yeah. Vinny, tell us about it. Um, pretty much. <laughs> I'm not a huge um, uh, Ultimate Team player because the there's a few things I went into. And, like, the one thing that really annoyed me is you got the... You, you, you log in, it's demoralizing for your ego. You log in, you're like, I've got this... Some tw- you're playing it probably against some 12 year old that's never seen the light of day like you know what I mean this guy that's like a FIFA bot he's like hooked into his Xbox to keep him alive and you get trashed and there's lagging and then uh, the, the the problems you mentioned were it's this one big gamble trying to build a team costs you a fortune if you want to go the paid route or it costs you many 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 hours of constantly playing the game doing in-game challenges to try to unlock these special packs or to get these lone yes. players for four or five games and it's just not worth it really and like other modes in FIFA have suffered because of this reliance and this like reluctance to kind of move away from the ultimate team mode mm. where because it's such a cash cow and we all know EA Sports love a cash cow you know what I mean <laughs> they will make it to death like you know what yes, I mean like, they will like so yes they will like but it's it's uh, it, it's it's the fan base's problem. You know, like, we, we've we talked about it on the early episodes of the podcast here with Shane. You had a very, like, obvious suggestion of, like, well, maybe this should just become a platform and every year they add in new players or whatever. And it's like, no, of course they'll never do that because every year they're guaranteed 60 to 80 euros 
yeah. from every person that plays FIFA every year. So why would they yeah. get rid of that? And then Ultimate Team, yeah, that should go away. And that whole structure should go away and be something better. It can be better and they could make it better, but it would make them less money, ultimately. Mm-hmm. So yeah. people are still buying the thing. You know, don't yeah, hate exactly. the player, hate the game. We are the worst fans yeah. ever because we like complain about a game for twelve months and then go and buy the next one. Yeah. As as <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. FIFA players, Call of Duty, and FIFA players are in the same camp of that. We're the worst. They yeah. Complain about the new Call of Duty, play it for twelve months, and then buy the new one, <laughs> even though they've complained. For 12 months. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We're like a battered like, spouse. We can change them. We can change them. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> the, the thing I would always say about this to people is like in the gaming industry. If you want something to change, you have to vote with your wallet or lack mm-hmm. thereof. You need to stop purchasing them. But people are not going to stop purchasing because your average Joe that just plays FIFA and Call of Duty every year is not spending the same volume of money on games we are. So they don't see a problem with dropping 20, 30 quid on some FIFA packs. Which is fair. You yeah. know, like That's fair to them. That's He's not doing yeah. anything wrong. He's, he's playing his game the way he wants to play it. Yes. But when there's people like that that are still going to drop all that money, it's never going to change. It's never going to change. And it's never 20 or 30 euro though. <laughs> and the first one's free yeah <laughs> and you know it's not like a, it's not like a proper spin of the wheel you know that there's an algorithm in place to say like your first two spins will get you pretty good players and then your next five spins will be awful and then there'll be like a middling player after that and it'll just keep you in there enough to keep spending money you know they're like the like the crack dealers of the gaming industry <laughs> yeah <laughs> This, this is the crazy thing. So in the article, it says, like, well, a lot of people don't know, which I didn't know, is EA utilizes technology. This is like where the dystopian future comes in of gaming. They're, they utilize technology called dynamic difficulty adjustment and adaptive difficulty, which use, like, prediction algorithms uh, to, like, intervene or even dictate the influence of outcomes, like. So, like, they're, they're basically rigging the game. They are the big casino in Las Vegas. Like, the house always wins. Yeah, of course. Of course they are. Like, what do people expect any different is yeah. ludicrous because it's not like there's a physical wheel in front of you that you can see and go, yeah, that, what what happens? You know, that's chance. It's it's literally a program that they wrote. <laughs> you know, they have control over it. <laughs> so, like, with, with the, like, adaptive difficulty and stuff like that, that's the reason this lawsuit is coming about because people are saying it's, it's an unfair consumer practice, as it were. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's... They're kind of like talking about like consumer rights violation because you're buying a video game. You're not, you're you're not going into a casino when you purchase FIFA. That's that's kind of what they're getting at. You're buying a piece yep. of entertainment. You know what I mean? That's like you go to the cinema and then they're like, "Oh yeah, for an extra fiver, you can spin the wheel and we'll see what ending your movie gets." <laughs> <laughs> you know, like it's it makes no. You know what I mean? Like it's nuts. It's crazy. Hey, we could, it could happen yet. Could so, happen yet. Something that's been levied at um, EA Sports a lot is scripting in the FIFA games, and um, that like I think there's actually a separate lawsuit against them for that at the moment from certain players. Um, I think it's oh, gee, I can't remember where they're from, but like, and um, I don't want to give like false names off the top of my head, but like it's it was a Canada, I think there was two fellas from Canada that brought them up yeah, not that long ago. Yeah, that's what I was thinking yeah. that like and like. To be honest with you, the game is so hollow compared to what it used to be, and they've neglected so many different aspects of the game. It's taken away from the overall experience altogether, and I think this is only going to be a boon for uh, Konami. Um, they create they created the yes. Pro Evolution the games in the yeah Pez. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So I think like the more um, exclusives they get, like they have like uh, Juventus and Roma mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and Boca Juniors, I think, and they have more and more exclusives. 
and because uh, everybody stays with FIFA because you got the real players' names. Like we're all yeah. we're all yeah. big soccer nerds, you know what I mean? Like so, yeah. Like the only reason we play that is because we got the real player names, and if they lose the exclusives, I think at the moment. Zlatan Ibrahimovic is actually bringing up uh, a few hundred or a few a couple of thousand players are brought up about the image rights that okay. uh, they say they got the image rights through FIFA Pro and uh, they're saying that like they have agreed with the clubs with the leagues with the players themselves to have the right to use their images and a lot of top level players are coming out at the moment saying that they never agreed to any of this and there's oh. actually, yeah so that's like three lawsuits at the moment interesting being pushed towards interesting. ESPN yeah because if FIFA loses that it loses everything you know yeah. like that's that's the that's the setting point if, if, if all the likenesses and all the names went over to Pez in the morning that'd be the end of FIFA you know but, but having said that FIFA has the money to pay for it you know, so they have the hush money to go <laughs> along with it. Yeah. So it will probably yeah. see it happen. Anyway, enough about FIFA because I'll be deadly honest, I didn't recognize a single name that was thrown out there. But <laughs> 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 you, you could have said like Bishop Brennan and the boys and I would have thought it was just the same. Um, moving swiftly on uh, to something I can talk about. Uh, PS5 users are being banned due to PS Plus collection abuse. What? the hell is going on here it seems as if okay let me take a step back ps plus on the ps5 has a kind of a new benefit to it and it's something that i guess sony whipped up in order to try and compete with that game pass service over on xbox where you still get your free games every month but if you are a ps5 owner you get access to a back catalogue of PS4 games. And you get to, you know, you essentially get to flag them in the store as being owned uh, whilst you have this service. Now, what people realise very quickly is you can get somebody else to log into your system. So, Shane, for example, you have a PS5, I've got a PS4. I yeah. could reach out to you and say, Shane, do us a favour, here's my details. Log me in yeah. on your PS4. And then, whilst I'm in your PS4, go over to those games every last one of them and you know click uh i guess the redeem button or whatever yeah, redeem it is or add add to add to library add to library some something like yeah. that and then i can turn on my ps4 in my living room and all of a sudden days gone and all the rest of them are there yep um yep. people were using this to nefarious means they were selling the ability to do this on ebay and everything so first of all and i'm going to ask your opinion on this now but first of all uh, nuts that you know people are on eBay selling this as a service. Yeah, but that's second crazy. of all, it's nuts that people are willing to give their PSN and their passwords and everything across to people to, in order for them to do it. Yeah, that's that's insane. Like that's crazy. And the fact, like, look, there's some great games in there. And I, I the idea of this PlayStation Plus collection was. I think for anyone migrating over from maybe Xbox to PS5, it's like, here's all the best games of the PS4 generation. They're yours to play and try. Here's what you missed. Yep. You know? And that was the point. And now there's people like, why why bother? Like, why? Like, maybe if you missed them, yeah. But like, walk into your local GameStop or whatever, like, you know, your CEX or whatever other stores they have around the world and buy most of these games for like five quid in a bargain bucket anyway. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. You know, I, I think it's just a fervor. You know, it's yeah. just people want to be a part of something a little bit too, I think. Like, yeah, it's probably worked out a little bit cheaper that they did this. But yeah, you're right. Like, just, I want to play Days Gone. You can get that pretty easily for 10 euros or less, you know, yeah. <laughs> even on the official store. It's just 
like I understand people doing it, taking advantage of it. That's fine. It's the selling of it I don't understand. I don't understand where why there's money involved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Because I think like obviously now Sony have rectified it, but. If I had heard about this earlier, I probably would have given you a ring to say, let's try this. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, of course. And, like, and people have been game sharing on PlayStation devices for years. Like, yeah, yeah. PS4 generation. I'm still doing it on the PS5. And even like this to set it up to do it, like the way you used to have to do it on the PS4, you had to jump through a few hoops. But now you go into the settings of the PS5, they actually call it like game and content sharing. And you can just activate it to do it. With really? A they, they know it's there. They know it's a thing people do. So they just labeled it what it is. Well, they've always known it's there because you could do it in the PS3 days and you could have up to five different people with your account logged into their system. Yeah. Um, and then on the PS4, it was like one. Yes. Um, so they've, they've always known it was a thing, you know. Uh, they restricted it, in fact, last generation. But it's interesting now to say that, like, they're putting it front-facing. Yeah, it's on the PS5. It's still only one account, but it's labelled as what it is. Game sharing. Like, it's literally labelled that in the sentence. It's no more about... It's not about pr- uh, your prime console or your home mm-hmm, device or whatever. It's mm-hmm. just it's just called game sharing. This is the dude that doesn't pay for games that leeches off of your collection. <laughs> yeah, cool. <laughs> <laughs> but interesting. Interesting all the yeah. same. Um, moving on from that, I'd spoke earlier on about FIFA, not knowing a damn thing about it. I know a lot about this particular series. Seems like Metro is getting a new entry. Yes, bye. Yeah, more Metro games. I didn't play, um, Exodus. That's the last one, right? Yeah, I never played Exodus. I heard it was really pretty, but kind of lost some of the Metro soul, as it were. Yes, it wasn't the best Metro game by a long shot. Um, because still a good game. It was still a good game. Yeah, it was a good yeah. seven or eight out of ten, let's say. Um, yeah. even though I don't like game scores, that kind of puts it in your head. But yes, it does. Yeah. The issue with it was that it left all of the metroisms behind. You know, it really wasn't that focused on survival. It wasn't focused on the bullet for currency mechanics. It wasn't really yeah. focused on being metro. It was just trying its living best to be an open world first person shooter, similar to like Fallout 4 versus Fallout New Vegas, if you get me. Yes, yes, yes. Um, so yeah, not a bad game and very pretty, but definitely lacking so that's why i'm delighted to hear there's a new one because i am a metro fan i love metro i played them in russian for god's sakes that's that's how into those games i am (laughs) multiple times but yeah the last one i've only played through once and i was okay um and i'm kind of in a weird position now where i'm like do i want a new metro or not the answer is yes and the reason is, I want to see, can they course correct and realize what they did wrong? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, you know? Because, like, do they, do they just start pumping out generic first-person shooters with the Metro name on them now? Like, you know what I mean? Well, this thing? is the thing. They did that with the last one, and it didn't sell massively well, from my understanding. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, they probably learned. I hope they've learned. Hopefully. Fingers crossed. Um, we should probably say, for anyone who doesn't know, Metro is like a first-person shooter, open-world, kind of set in a post-apocalyptic Russia. Mm-hmm. Um the name Metro comes from like the first in the I know in the first game you spent a lot of time in like the Metro tunnels of Russia and stuff. Yes, fighting yes. off the hordes of radioactive mutants or whatever. They're a book series, if I'm right. Did the book series yeah. make the games, or did the games lead to the book series? Book series, then games. Ah, oh, excellent, excellent. In fact, there's little Easter eggs in every game you play. Um, you can find the books scattered around. Ah, oh, cool. That's actually pretty yeah, cool. yeah. 
<laughs> the books exist in the universe of the games, which is strange. <laughs> nice. Um, but, like, they, they gave a little quote themselves. Uh, 4A Games is the developer of Metro. Mm-hmm. Um, fancy, fancy, fancy lads. Going, going for more than AAA. It has to be 4A. Can't just be AAA. I didn't know where you were going with that for a second. <laughs> um, they said they're currently hard on work uh, at work on bringing Metro Exodus to PS5, Xbox Series S, and S with all the wonderful enhancements and adjustments and super duper like shooting ray tracing directly into your eyeballs and this kind of thing. You know the usual. Um, of course. But they are happy to confirm that like they are like hard at work on the next one. Like they they're in full development mode. You know. So. And- just really quickly, were they one of the companies that were absorbed by that, you know, double A company that we talked about the other week? Yes, actually, they were. They were absorbed by what we know as THQ Nordic. They have a different name, but most people would know them as THQ Nordic. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. They were one of the ones that were absorbed, actually. So obviously those boys are putting them to work now and be like, right, let's start pumping out more Metro games, guys. We, we, we paid some money for you. We want to get some return on our investment. And then it becomes a free-to-play mobile game. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. That's EA, Phil. That's, that's EA. <laughs> <laughs> Full circle. Um, but yeah, enough on that. Looking forward to that. Let's hope we hear more soon. Um, speaking of uh, the post-apocalypse, one of these days, Shane, those game companies are going to go away. And Vinny, do you know what you're going to have to do? You're going to have to start emulating video games. <laughs> and... The Xbox has got you covered, my friend. It seems, as I was talking about it the other week, you can uh, emulate, as you could in the Xbox One, any of the video game systems that are available on RetroArch on your Xbox system. And this week, after I had just said that it will be coming in the near future, PS2 is apparently running, and it's running pretty well, considering it is an early build. I think there has never been a better time to own an Xbox and I realize that you're a PlayStation man, Shane. But if I can toggle between, let's say, GTA 6 when it comes out and then say, ah, the hell with it. I'm just going to go and play some, I don't know, Persona 4 or something on the PS2. I was going to say G- G- GTA 1. <laughs> GTA 1, yeah. Or play 1 to 6 in one console. Like, come on. Yeah. Look, look, I know I'm a PlayStation guy. I love my PlayStation. I have no ill will towards Xbox. I think the Xbox is a great machine and mm-hmm, they're mm-hmm. making some savage strides this generation. Like, they're doing some great stuff. Unbelievable. And, like, you know, uh, finances permitting, I will own an X one day as well alongside my PlayStation. You know what I mean? I'm not adverse to having more than one console. And I'm quite happy that when I do, I will take advantage of a lot of this cool stuff that it has to offer. I was just putting a picket uh, sign in your hand, you know, like, uh, you you never asked for any of this. (laughs) Uh, Vinny, what about you, man? Have you ever dabbled? uh, I guess you are an Xbox gamer, aren't you, from my understanding? Yeah, I have an Xbox One and and a 360. Um, I was just curious that, like, with with this increase, um, uh, like, availability of emulation on the new Xbox Series S and X, I wonder, Mm -hmm. will that make Sony kind of think about more backward compatibility with their own systems because I hope so yeah because with the PS5 it's not only backward compatible for one generation the PS4 yes so yes I'm thinking that maybe they might create their own emulator maybe hopefully which makes perfect sense if you have a network like the PlayStation now I think so if you have this network already set up uh, for streaming why not create an online emulator for your company yep. and on this network and include a mass like library 
of PS1 games and PS2 and PS3 games. 100%. They they should have done it years ago. And in fact, Microsoft did it already with Game Pass and the the backwards compatibility initiative. Like, it's, it's completely within their power to do it. They just obviously haven't seen it as being a priority. Do you know what the issue is, Vinny? It comes back to voting with your wallet. People were willing to just flood the market to buy a PS5 without it. Yeah. Yeah. You know? That's the thing. That's the thing. That is the thing. Like, that's... Like, I don't know, I feel like maybe I'm wrong. Now, maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like it's only really, like, PS4, uh, uh, PS4, Xbox One generation into this new generation that backwards compatibility has become a really big, number one conversation and a, a, a thing that players want. That's because they only really took it away in the PS4, Xbox One generation. Right. Do you get me? Yeah, I do. That's what I'm saying. Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't mind. Like, I'm happy to learn something new here. You know what I mean? Mm. The Xbox One um, is actually really decent with backward compatibility. And, yep. And the thing about this is, do you, do you know, like, when we were growing up, retro gaming was going back and playing your Nintendo, going back and playing your Sega Mega Drive. Well, now in the 21st century, retro gaming is going back and playing Xbox games, Xbox 360 games, yeah. PS1, PS2, PS3. They've all kind of slowly slipped into retro gaming. Um, yeah, it, completely. You know what I mean? And I think that want and that need of gamers to look back and kind of eulogize their youth and what kind of try to evoke these kind of same emotions that we had when we were a kid, it kind of harkens back to why remasters and reboots are so successful like because it just gives you that the you know that cool, kind of warm feeling it's like a chicken soup for the soul kind of thing like where it gives you like a, a warm feeling where like you're like the inner child is satiated for the time being while it's like playing this thing even though it could be clunky and maybe that's where reboots yep. or remasters have a great strength to take that kind of clunkiness out of them sometimes out of these games but even if it is clunky, you still want to go back and jump in, play Spyro or Super Mario or Crash or whatever. All these kind of cool games from like Silent Hill 1. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and I know, yeah, they, yeah, yeah. you know, I think like there's a huge market for this. And I think it is even a huge market as a subscription model. You could actually, there is, you know, like that, that's the ideal scenario. You know, like, um, I understand that Sony probably don't see the cachet in it they don't see that like oh well we'll sell consoles with or without it mm. but like if they did offer that as a service i'd pay for it you know no problem you could even do like playstation now costs this much but if you want to get the emulator along with it it costs two euro extra a month or something yeah yeah yeah, yeah you yeah, know yeah. you'd make a fortune like even at two euro extra if you got like 10 million people signing up even that's a small portion of probably all playstation gamers like, even a small percentage is still a very lucrative business model, you know what I mean? Well, let me tell you this. Because Sony won't go ahead and do it for you, Vinny, <laughs> Xbox has given you a solution to do it for free. We got PS2 this week, and I guarantee you, before the year is out, somebody will port the PS3 emulator over to RetroArch, and then it's all systems go, baby. If I can't... I'm, I'm a great advocate of this. If you won't give me the option to buy the goddamn thing, you cannot... Blame me for pirating the damn thing. A hundred Yeah, hundred percent. And one other thing with Xbox, it does seem as if these guys pushed another update as well. And it looks like it's going to be the first big update in the series. Uh, yes. And when I say series, that's a weird way of putting it, isn't it? The series uh, brand of consoles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, 
But yeah, their first big update. Uh, we're going to see this coming every week. And let's just call this the milestone that it is and say, oh, look, it's starting to walk. Um, they're just essentially after launching a, a Gansey load of new wallpapers, custom wallpapers that are motioned and what have you. And apparently uh, you're now able to preload Game Pass games regardless as to whether they're on the service or not. Now, yeah. they did kind of do something like this up until now, where if something was announced, uh, like Dragon Quest, for example, is coming out in the next week or two on Xbox, and it's been on Game Pass as a tile for, like, months, you know? Yeah. Um, I could click on that. I could say, yep, give me that. Uh, and it just sat as, like, a, a, a five megabyte thing in my hard drive. And I assume that it'll just start kicking in the download the day it happens. But this is indicating to me that that Dragon Quest thing would have been downloaded months ago when I first clicked on that thing, uh, for better or worse, because then I'm just sitting with a game I can't play on my hard drive for a very long time. But it's an interesting feature. It is, it is. And now, like, as well, so kind of to your whole Dragon Quest thing, Game Pass is getting a coming soon section. Yes. So now all those kind of games are just going to be dumped into the... So you know, okay, it's not out yet, but then hopefully it'll have a date attached. So let's say... Let's say Dragon Quest. Let's say Dragon Quest is out next Friday. Mm-hmm. Well, then you could go on like Tuesday night or Wednesday night, preloaded, be ready to go Friday morning or Friday evening when you get home from work. Yes. No messing, straight into the game, you're laughing. And they've never made it easier with that new mobile app as well. I could be sitting in work going, oh, Dragon Quest is out on Friday. I whip out my phone, I click the button, it's doing it all. By the time I'm home, it's done. Exactly. Exactly. Amazing. Well, I say by the time I'm home. By the time I go downstairs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> God, we've become so lazy. <laughs> I know, yeah, I know. And actually, just speaking of updates to the system, uh, here Nintendo got one. Don't know an awful lot about it, but from my understanding, it seems as if their online hub has been kind of brought forward. That's their paid subscription. Um, yes. Has been brought forward into the interface. Uh, better cloud saves, easier screenshot transfers, all kind of stuff that are really tied to the online uh, bare bones subscription model that they offer. So not hugely interesting, but something to note. Yeah, exactly. It's not too exciting. They have added an easier screenshot transfer so to get them from like your Switch to your phone so you can share them on social media and stuff. Oh, okay. That could for, for the people that kind of like people that like doing that stuff, you know, sharing their little Animal Crossing village or whatever people like to do on a Switch. I don't really, I don't really understand that. Don't shame me, Shane. Don't game shame me. Don't game shame me. Um, not to just to speak on Xbox and Nintendo, though, it does seem as if Sony had a little bit going on. Uh, kind of a bit of a explanation as to why they did this card system on the PS5. Uh, Shane being our resident PS5 owner, do you want to tell us more about that? Yeah, so we've all heard that like PS5, we've seen the videos, they have this like activity card thing that can show you like you can jump into specific parts of a game that you were playing, like specific missions and stuff straight from the dashboard. Um, So the reason Sony have these is as a response to single player uh, problems. And when I say that, I mean like complaints people had about single player games. Mm -hmm. So Sony have said that single player games are stronger than ever under platform. People are playing them flat out. They love them. Okay. But the big, the big complaints people had was like, you're working Monday to Friday, Saturday you play two hours of your single player game, then you don't get to play it again till the next Saturday, and you're like, 
where was I? What was I doing? I don't know what's going on. Like, what part of the game was? It? How do I even control this guy? Like, you know, what's what's happening here? So the cards are kind of to combat that. It's where you can get little like, oh, when you last left off in this game, you were doing this quest for this guy, and he told gotcha. you about this thing. You know, this kind of way. It's it's to make them more accessible to the kind of person who can't sit down and binge like eight hours of a single player game. That's a fair thing that's it like that is that is an issue i find because like yes. i hop around on so many games that i could be like six months and i come back to nino kuni and i'm like what the damn yeah, exactly. hell is all this <laughs> exactly so now they're giving you a solution to this and as someone who is a huge advocate of like single player narrative driven games mm-hmm. i think this is great i think this oh, is yeah. really good i really enjoy it a lot it's like basically kind of you know when you turn on like season five of game of thrones and they're like previously on like the yes. other four seasons or whatever it's basically yes. that it's it's a previously on but it's really helpful the best one of those in video game form is until dawn until dawn does a great version of like previously on until dawn <laughs> <laughs> that's actually really good that they built it into the game like it's that's very good cool. it, it yeah. makes you feel like it is a teen horror um Vinny, are you the kind of guy that sticks with a game or are you the kind of guy that jumps around? Um, I like to play multiple games at the same time. It's kind of like mm-hmm. uh, usually different genres. Like at the moment I'm playing like, you know, like a platform game and I play like an open world game and I might play like a straight up shooting game. Like, and, um, but like, I think like, I really do like the the whole idea of the previously, like, um, like Alan Wake yeah. did that where each uh, section yes. of the game was kind of like a, an episode of a TV series. And I thought that was kind of cool. Like, and they did a recap, and Darksiders 2 does a, a slight recap of the last section you were just on when you load it up. And, like, stuff like that is really, really important because the older we get, our minds are not going to get any sharper. <laughs> and, and Speak we, for yourself, <laughs> <isn't it? laughs> I, I crash and burn. Like, you know, when you're just like, oh, I, it's two weeks, I'll know what's, I know what's going on. And, yeah. and you're walking around for 20 minutes and you're like, I better check these objectives because, like, you yes. know what I mean? Like, that's so important because yeah. you mount That is the least fun 20 minutes ever, <laughs> yeah. as well, isn't it? When you're trying to figure yeah. out the controls and the quests. And you're just fueled by pride and ego. I remember, yeah. I will remember. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, it's funny, isn't it? Like, how muscle memory kicks in when you do yeah. start progressing. Yeah. You're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I wouldn't forget this at all. And then two weeks later, you come back and you're doing the same rope it Yeah, exactly. Like, I think you just need that click for memory by association, you know? As soon as yeah. you know what objective you're on or what mission and you know who your enemy is in that moment, then, like, you know, you go into war zone, you know? So I think that's the important thing. But, like, I think this is a really, really cool feature, and I think it will help. But, like, I think we're kind of giving a crutch to these amateur gamers. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? If you don't want to put in the time, you don't deserve the rewards. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Everybody wants to be a gamer. Oh, yeah. We'd all be doing it if it was easy. Yeah. <laughs> no, I do. I do think it's great. I'm all for inclusion, and it is. It is, it, like... It's like for any of us that don't want to use it, just don't look at it, you know. Yeah, exactly. And then for anyone that does need it, it's there. It's it's great. I exactly. would like it to be turn offable if that's an if that's a term. I, I would reckon like that to will be maybe come with a few. I reckon that might come with a future update. Maybe I think it's one of those things where, like right now, Sony's like. Um, you know, they're all excited about their new things so they're shutting mm-hmm, it down mm-hmm. everyone's throat. So now they're like, after a while when they start giving people, people are going to like complain or say, oh, I wish it didn't do this or didn't do that. They'll just give you an option to turn it off eventually. Yeah. That's one of the nice things about the Xbox UI is that because they use the last generation's one, all of the cool features of the last generation's one and the betterments came along. So yes. you can reorganize the entire dashboard. You know, like you can drop stuff wherever you want. It's not exciting, but 
I still prefer to have control over a non-exciting dashboard than, you know, be forced something. I don't know. I'm weird like that. Yeah. Um, but one other thing that we've been forced into without any control is the C word C-O-V-I-D-19 to be specific. Um, and as a result, more and more of us are spending time at home. Yeah. Being forced to spend time at home. And what better time to catch up on video games? And it seems as if not just us, not just the nerdiest and most gamery of us are doing so. It seems as if the world has jumped back into video games in a big way. Yeah, that's that's. I was just going to say that I think maybe Sony Sony dropped this like new feature at a really good time because there's more people playing games than ever. Yes. And even though you're stuck at home, you still got to put in your Monday to Friday grind or whatever. So you're still going to forget what you were doing in that game. So, <laughs> but yeah, look, everybody's gaming more because we're all stuck inside. Everybody's spending more money on gaming, which is great. It grows the industry. It puts more money in the industry. It hopefully leads to some cool new innovations and some cool new games. So I'm all for it. I say let's keep us locked down and we can just play games forever. For sure. And this comes from a report, essentially, um, coming specifically out of the US from the data group named as NPD Group, um, specifically showing that in the US, time and money spent on video games has risen to an all-time high. And I can relate, like, as somebody that wants to escape the reality of this world, like, 2020, has there ever been a year you wanted to escape from more? You know, <laughs> honest to God, honest to God, like I could quite happily go and play games like forever now and just never, ever leave my house again and just get lost in all these fantastical worlds. The only problem I think is with all this lockdown and people playing games more is that you can't get out games quick enough now. Like you get them getting through them too fast. I need more games. Dear God, they're so many do you, already. Do you, do you think the uptick in the gaming industry is because of the downtick, the downturn in Hollywood and the movie industry, because of COVID, there's been so many movies delayed to next year or the foreseeable future. People are like kind of like just absolutely dying and wanting for that cinematic experience, that new, that bold thing. And because yes, they can't I think find that's a big part of it, you know, because like you're not getting no, there was no summer blockbusters really this year except for Tenet. And that failed, uh, like, on arrival. So maybe people are like... It's like the balls on that as well to go and say, yeah, we're going to release this in cinemas during COVID. Yeah, yeah. I, I think, like, they probably should use a much smaller movie to test the waters, but they probably wanted to send one big fish into the water to see if mm-hmm. it could swim to or drown. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I, like I say, it was just... Of like, COVID. Yeah, somebody was getting the revenge on Christopher Nolan, I think, there. <laughs> <laughs> and actually Christopher Nolan had a had an interesting year in video games as well like premiering or not premiering but um showing movies in Fortnite of all things. Yeah. Yeah, that's for Christopher Nolan a guy who's so like um like a cla- like a classical director as in he takes all his like yeah. training and homage from classic movies and stuff and he's very big into like classic stories and reading and the the golden age or silver age of Hollywood or whatever um putting your like trailer for your movie in Fortnite is just so out of character from for a guy like that yeah but like exactly like weird old Christopher Nolan and then 2020 comes around the guy shows the prestige and some other films Batman and what have you in Fortnite then releases Tenant during COVID. It's like, that guy has had a pretty weird year, all things said. But Vinny, sorry, you were saying about the industry. No, no, I was just uh, wondering that, like, with the the continuous downturn in in, uh, the film industry, will we see more and more and more users 
switching over and in different demographics like when you look at the yes. age, like the the demographics keep getting older and that's probably to do with the fact that gamers themselves are just getting older you know what i mean like so big time the, the, the demographics will numbers will change as more gamers age and they're still going to be gamers and now you see the downturn in uh, the film industry will that like be like an added bonus maybe for the gaming industry and not only are mm-hmm, the gamers mm-hmm, also mm-hmm. just getting older as i said but like there may be just such a thirst for uh, the pre uh, the what i said before about the cinematic experience maybe maybe it's just like a case of like they're filling the gaming industry is filling a much needed void you know what i mean like i think so yeah yeah i, I do so I, I do think so um, but having said that like I don't think it, um, I don't think it's specifically just that either, because the gaming industry has been the biggest entertainment industry for years now. You know, it's a it doesn't make as big a splash as the movie industry, but it consistently makes almost twice, if not more, every year on year than the movie industry has been making in the last say five to ten years, somewhere in that region, um, and now. People, as I said earlier, are looking for an excuse to get out of this world. As you say, there's less movies to go and see. Um, and as you say, gamers are getting older. That's why we have so many dad games now. <laughs> um, but it's it's a, it's the reality of it is that people are playing games. More and more people are playing games. And it's like the analogy I've used in the past where I had Netflix and my best friend had Netflix. But my mom and my grandmother certainly didn't have Netflix. And then enough people had Netflix that they felt comfortable to have Netflix. And now they are on Netflix, you know? And it's like the gaming thing is very similar. Is that like gaming is a kid's thing. No, gaming is only for losers and nerds or whatever. And then their buddy starts playing FIFA or Call of Duty. And next thing they're getting, you know, brought in. Mass appeal. uh, Grandfathered in. Oh, yeah, definitely. It's all about mass appeal, isn't it? Like. It is. It really is. It really is. And do you know who like do you know who who made that uh, jump even further? Like uh, the Wii. The release of the yes. Wii console made everyone a gamer. Your granny, your mother, your uncle, yourself, your kids, your nieces, your nephews. Everyone could pick up and play Wii and it made every it to the fact 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 point that when like the nintendo ds and stuff started getting more iterations like i found a lot of people coming in looking for them for themselves that were like of an older generation going i want to do some like brain training and yes doku and stuff like that and then they're buying a gaming device like the wii the ds the switch nintendo yeah. know how to bottle magic when when they do it they you know? really do oh yeah they really yeah. do um but further to Vinny's point about like the movie industry and stuff i think that's a big factor but i also think it's all the other factors that go along with COVID. The fact that we can't go to a restaurant. We can't go meet friends for a drink. Oh, yeah. We can't, we're, we're craving entertainment and distraction from the horrible garbage truck that is 2020. And I do believe that like it's in human nature that we crave stories. We want to be told stories and want to, mm-hmm. te- number one, tell them and be told them and hear new things. And I think gaming offers that not only at like entertainment level but also to take charge of the story because you're in control of it too so you're both experiencing it and kind of creating your own story at the same time oh for sure and like once we get to that point where people have nailed the movie experience we talked about this last week where we were saying naughty dog are fantastic at telling a narrative and they're fantastic at building up you know set pieces and cut scenes and making you care about characters but honestly the gameplay mechanics are sometimes a little bit lacking. Um, yes. But it's wrapped up in such beauty that you kind of give it a free pass. 
Exactly. Once they master how to make a video game essentially play itself and you don't care, that's what's going to replace movies. You know? Exactly. It exactly. it is going to be the last of us two experience. You know, like if you could make a if you could make like the Revenant or something like that, like if you could like be Leonardo DiCaprio and it's essentially a, a walking simulator with like bears. Like that's that's kind of where the industry's going, you know? Yeah, definitely. That's that's where VR comes in, isn't it? Kind of like you know Yes. You know what I mean? I think there's gonna be a void that like might even skip to VR. Like if that search for the cinematic experience might not be found actually on the current uh, medium that we're experiencing our games through. It might be the next medium or the the next iteration of the medium that might follow that. You know what I mean? Like, and speaking of that very medium, I've got some updates for you. Lads, considering we're talking about what people have been playing over their COVID, will we jump into what we've been playing after a very quick break? Yes, let's do it. Okay, let's do it. Hi there. If you've made it this far, let me take the opportunity to thank you. If you would like to support the podcast or all things CGC, you can do so in a number of ways. Please do follow and subscribe to the podcast and where possible, leave us a review. It will help us make the show better and also help our visibility grow. To stay up to date with all things CGC, do check out and join all of our socials in the description below. That's the casual game community over on Facebook, at CG Critic on both Twitter and Insta. And of course, be sure to check out all of our content at casualgamecritic.com. Thank you again for all of your support. It means the world to us. Now, back to the show. And we're back. So, as I mentioned just before the break, I had an update for you in the VR realm. And as we were just talking about the Nintendo Wii bringing video games to the masses, I have an update. My house is now a house of two Oculus Quests. You're living in the future, man. I am living in the future. Me and my girlfriend, we don't even see each other anymore. We just see each other's avatars. (laughs) But no, seriously, um, as I reported a couple of weeks back, uh, my partner had said to me after trying out the Oculus Quest uh, that I had bought, yeah, she wants one and she's not a gamer at all. Um, And, you know, she wanted that for Christmas, you know, cancelling other presents. And it arrived. And considering we're not going to spend Christmas with each other anyway, we'll be in each other's respective uh, parents. We just decided to go ahead and just, you know, give gifts early. So she's been playing around with that. Uh, playing Beat Saber, you know, uh, fitness games, all that kind of stuff. I'm telling you guys, I'm going to be bringing mine home for Christmas. She's going to be bringing hers home for Christmas. And I will be super surprised if both homes don't end up with at least one other in their houses. This thing's going to be huge. Yeah. It's the Ted, Ted, it's the tether free VR is the thing. That's what we were trying to get to. And now we have it with an Oculus Quest. You're not tied to a computer. You're not USB into a, you know, like Matrix style with a big like spike gun into the back of your brain to connect you to your PC <laughs> or your laptop or whatever. You're just yeah. tether free. You can jump around. You can swing your arms without having to worry about pulling the TV off the wall or something. Yes. And it has a good screen and it has Excellent. decent games. Like it's it's the dream, baby. At 300 euros. Come on. Yeah. You know, That's I know it's pretty nefarious with Facebook, but come on. Like. Yeah. I, like like we said before, who cares if Mark Zuckerberg watches me play VR bowling or whatever? Like, who cares? <laughs> yeah, I like and as well when you kind of um, when you're involved with putting content up on the internet, you've pretty much signed away all social media privacy anyway. So exactly. <laughs> for me, it's exactly. a no brainer. 
<laughs> exactly. Well, look, Phil, we're already on you. So what else have you been playing? You've been playing your Oculus. What have you been playing on your Oculus? FedExR is the big one. Um, yeah. Still doing that uh, as best I can every second day because every day was killing me. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. That thing's really good. I feel really in shape uh, in comparison nice. to what I did feel like two weeks ago. Sweet. Um, it's doing good things. Yeah, I highly recommend it to anybody that is struggling with exercise over the COVID. Yeah, this is a great option if you're if you're halfway interested in VR. Now's the time, and if you need a bit of exercise, can't do much better. Um, you'd, you'd pay three hundred quid to drag your ass to a gym, like three hundred quid a year to drag your ass to a gym every day. So why not just do it? it? Come, come for your living room. This is it. You know, like if Facebook offered you a a means of going to the gym in your sitting room for three hundred, you'd probably buy it. So like it's the yeah, same of course. thing. It's yeah. the same thing. Um, Beat Saber as well. Beat Saber is, um, again, a phenomenal game, as I've said before. But I have uh, gone and done some some sneaky sneaky. And I have uh, sideloaded, you know, songs that I recognize onto ah, the game. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, uh, changes the game completely. Unbelievable. Uh, <laughs> it's such a good experience to be playing your favorite tunes on that. Like, I'm on, like, uh, you know, Fleetwood Mac the Chain, and then I'm hopping awesome, over awesome. to, like, uh, System of a Down Toxicity, and it's like, you know, hopping around between different genres. Ah, it's such fun. Do you know, do you know what it's doing? It's turning Beat Saber into Guitar Hero. And that's the thing. That's the comparison that goes in my mind. Do you remember back in the day, Shane, you were there. You were there yeah. back when me and the boys were all big into Guitar Hero. You were there too. Um, it was that thing where you got a hold of Guitar Hero. You're like, oh, this is really fun. Yeah. But you could only do it on like medium, maybe easy at first. Yes, and then the more yeah. you played, the more it was like a point of pride. that I will not go down from hard. I will not go down. Yeah. You know, I will only go up. I'm going through the same thing with Beat Saber. It's something I haven't experienced with a video game since Guitar Hero, and it, it is the exact same feeling going up through those uh, difficulties. Yeah, excellent. That's really cool. I really want to try Beat Saber. I have not played it, and I really want to try it. I tell you what, if I see you over Christmas, I'll have it with me. Excellent. Oh, class. Yeah, that'd be deadly. There we go. Uh, last thing I've been playing is Assassin's Creed. I've been trying to finish that because I kind of want to do a piece on it, perhaps, at the end. Um, and I did say last week that I wasn't really in love with it. I liked it, but I wasn't in love with it. Yes. I'm still not in love with it, but I think I'm having a kind of a dirty fling with it at the moment <laughs> because it is after lighting a bit of a fire. You're not in love, but you, you're not in love, but you might give it like a, a key to your house or something, maybe. There you go. There you go. It's, like, <laughs> it's not my girlfriend, but it's kind of my girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> no. Um. Yeah. I'm. I'm. I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it a lot more than I did. Uh. Without giving away any spoilers, you. You know, every new Assassin's Creed game deals in mythology in some way. Yeah. Um. And I've gotten to the point in Valhalla where it deals with the Norse mythology. And it's actually a whole other realm you go to. So I'm not going to spoil any more than that. But like, yeah, things get interesting. And then because I'm after putting so much time into it, now my abilities are actually interesting. So it's one of those things that like, it's a slow start, but it kind of gets better the more you play it very slowly. You know, Um, I'm hoping. I want to ask you something, Saul. Yeah. Do you think Assassin's Creed would benefit from being slimmed down a bit more into a smaller experience? I, I don't mean like, I don't mean smaller as in like a couple of hours, but I mean like it's gone, Assassin's Creed is now a big 60 hour RPG. Do you yep. think it would work better to go back to that kind of 20, 25 hour game? 
Yeah, I think so. I think so. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of it is busy work. You know, yeah. a, a lot of it is we have this massive landmass, and in between one objective and the next, your start point and your objective, you will have 30 little blips to visit on the way. And each one of those is one of five things. It's either a treasure, it's somebody to talk to, it's like a different kind of treasure, or it's a different kind of treasure. It's like, you know, it's not exactly doing anything innovative, you know. And some people just want that big landmass with loads of stuff to do. Um, But I do think that there is room for them to cut the fat and make a streamlined experience and kind of, especially now that it's maybe Norse said, maybe this is where my head's at, but God of War 2016 a little bit. Yeah. Um, give us a really good narrative around all of these semi-historical facts that you've pulled together uh, and nice graphics and what have you. I think there's a market for it. I, I Even if it was like a side Assassin's Creed thing to see what people take to it, I think if they did it and they did it well, they'd never go back. Yeah. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, I, I'd like that. I wish Assassin's Creed was a bit smaller. Like, mm-hmm. as someone who played through the, the last Assassin's Creed game I played through was Origins. Yeah. I played through it in its entirety. And at the end, I was just like, man, that felt like it took an eternity. Mm. And the payoff, <laughs> no, I'm not going to spoil anything, but to me, the payoff was not worth it. And the uh, the um, the sequel, Odyssey, is uh, about three times as long. So. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> so it's actually like the Odyssey. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you and Homer will have gone through a similar experience, yes. <laughs> But that's but enough about me, Vinny. Yes, Vinny boy. What have you been playing? Um, at the minute, I'm playing uh, Dark Siders Two, uh, uh, which oh. uh, I absolutely love. Um, kind of like in the really? same, absolutely love it. It's it took me a little while to get into it in the same kind of mold as the way it took you a while to get Assassin's, into Assassin's Creed, but not as long. And mainly it was because the change they made from Part One in the style of the game is kind of a shock to the system at first. Because part one is this kind of urban hellscape. It's Armageddon. A lot of it is cityscapes and it's like got gore and demonization kind of layered on top. Whereas this one, it's kind of like a fully fledged fantasy game. And you can actually, if you've never played Darksiders 2, I actually advise a lot of people to go back that are Assassin's Creed fans. And you can actually see that the new Assassin's Creed games have taken a lot from Darksiders 2. Like, yeah. It's funny that you say that because most people have said that like, oh, Darksiders 2, you can kind of skip uh, that the first one was the one in the series. But you you would kind of say otherwise. Oh, 100%. I think if you like fantasy games, like I was surprised it was a fantasy game, to be honest with you, because oh. the first one was kind of more of a action horror set in like these urban hellscapes. And the second one is full out, full on fantasy. It takes from different little snippets from different kind of mythologies and kind of combines them into its own original mythology. And it's kind of like... You, you go from different maps. It's got a huge open world. But like the thing about it is that like, if you look at it, you can see the inspiration it maybe took from earlier Assassin's Creed games. And also you can see the inspiration it gave to later Assassin's Creed games. It's kind of like a very interesting middle ground because they added in parkour and kind of like types of free running up along walls and stuff, which is very like the earlier Assassin's Creed games. But if you look at Assassin's Creed Origins, which I played, and Shane is right, it's super long. I put ni- yeah. 98 and a half hours into that game. And wow. and I was 
Like literally, uh, I had seen every grain of sand in ancient Egypt. I think it was insanity. <laughs> and uh, do you know in the later Assassin's Creed games where you have a power, had these powered weapons that kind of like mm. you have electrical swords or whatever or flame swords, yes. and yeah, it's yeah. very similar to Skyrim maybe or something along that lines. But Darksiders Two is very same. It's got like powered like you upgrade throughout by obtaining abilities and stuff like that. But you have all these weapons that are like electric based or in, like inferno based or something. And when you look at these weapons, and even if you look actually at the screens that they use, mm-hmm. they're quite similar to the late Assassin's uh, later Assassin's Creed games. And I think the reason Assassin's Creed kind of diverged from what made it so famous was because they ran out of ideas. And I think they started. Oh yeah, for yeah, sure. They started parsing all these ideas from other games. And to be, oh, yeah. like Assassin's Creed Origins to me is a fantastic game, but you could literally have put any other name on that. And it's still a game like, you know, it's not an Assassin's Creed game to me. I love it, but I think the the pinnacle of Assassin's Creed is uh, Assassin's Creed Black Flag. It's like what... Vinny, 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 Vinny. You started talking about Darksiders too, and now you're talking about Assassin's Creed Black Flag. <laughs> 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 I'm sorry. I just, I, I just think the, the uh, I wanted to kind of come back that the, the pinnacle of these open world games are 30, 40, 50 hour long games. I think anything over that yes. is too much. And that's what I was kind of trying going to circle back that the pinnacle of Assassin's Creed was Black Flag because, as Shane said, it was a bit slimmer. You know what I mean? It was, it was like it, the these Assassin's Creed games are better when they're slimmer. And you have an open yes. world, you don't need to fill every corner of it with objectives. You know what I mean? Like, and that's what I like about Darksiders too. It's got this massive open world, but it doesn't have bloat. You know what I mean? Like, yes. it's like, I'm going to send you this place. It looks fantastical. Everything about it's epic, but you have one objective there and you leave that place. You don't need to do 15 different micro objectives to get to the main objective. It's got really cool, like puzzles and stuff in it as well. Like, you know, like you have to like bring a light source from point A to point B, you know, that kind of way. So it's kind of interesting that kind of way. And, um, uh, the, the main game I really want uh, that I'm really enjoying the minute is Resident Evil Biohazard. Uh, Such a good game. Any horror fans, yeah. I advise to play that game. It's terrifying and it's absolutely amazing. And I love the way it plays with a lot of horror tropes. And maybe I can, I'll probably do an article about that once I complete it in the future. Oh, I look forward to that. That is a great game. Like, it is Resident Evil 7 specifically we're talking about, isn't it? Um, first person Resident Evil. Uh, yeah, Resident Evil uh, 7 Biohazard, yeah. Play that in VR. Now, that is terrifying. Oh, my God. It was. I found, but because the PSVR was so shoddy, it yeah. kind of took away from it a little bit. Yeah, um, I'm just a big baby when it comes to horror games, so if you <laughs> strap me into a VR to play a horror game, like I'm going to be like in the fetal position just crying. <laughs> on I think there's a way to do it on PC nowadays, and I'm looking up how to use the headset we have here to, to do it, so I'll report back. I'll report back. <laughs> but Vinny, how how are you finding? It? You're you're finding it's good. Like this is your first experience with seven. Yeah, it's the first time I played. It. I love the Resident Evil franchise, and it's the first time I played um, uh, Part Seven. And I'm about six and a half hours into it, give or take, and it is absolutely terrifying. Like it's gotten to the stage where uh, you want to turn it off at the end of each session. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's yeah. I used to have a running thing with my girlfriend where um I used to get her to like, you know. <laughs> I used to bargain with her and to say, like, you know, 
okay, I'll go into town and do all the things you want to do today if tonight you play Resident Evil for like an hour and a half <laughs> yeah. without putting down the controller. I just like, oh my god, no. And it, it's it's hilarious to watch somebody that doesn't like video games to do that, especially when they don't like horror games. Because what would take you three minutes to walk through like a corridor or whatever take no joke takes like over half an hour because like just sheepishly moving ever so slowly looking around every oh, corner just, like three or four times it's such a scary game though isn't it like it really is it is it is it is it is it is but you're not only playing scary games um no i'm playing crash bandicoot 2 as well at the minute which is a nice palette cleanser yeah like uh i i dipped into the crash series a couple of weeks ago for an article i did with cgc um over on facebook and um the I absolutely love these games. Um, they're they're actually scary in their own way. You know what I mean? Like they really are. Like, like do, you, do you ever be playing a, a, a level of Crash and you're like flying? I got this! I got this! I got this! And you get the one part, and as soon as you stop to think, you're dead. You know what I yes. mean? Like Crash is one of the yes. most momentum based games I think I've ever played. You know where when you don't when you don't think, you just instinctually act. And that's what crashes. I think as soon as you you think and crash, you're dead. It's it's not the thinking man's game. It's the the in t- in instinctual man's game. I think. Yeah. Yep. There's a huge amount of that, especially muscle memory. Um, there's a lot of levels in Crash. Crash Two is actually not that bad, but in Crash One, anyway, there's a lot of levels. You just have to die a couple of times to learn what you need to do. Leaps of faith, that type of stuff. Oh my god! Uh, <laughs> I used to have to dry off my hands after every single level. Like you know what I mean? He's like Vinny, whatever you do in your own home. <laughs> I never dry my hands for that fill. I would put that. That's <laughs> counterintuitive. <laughs> <laughs> but no i get you i get you i get you it's um it's one of those like gripping the controller with all of your might uh i will beat this level yeah, type like i've literally caught myself closing my eyes when i'm jumping playing crash like you yeah. know what i mean like, no <laughs> <laughs> yeah it is one of those for sure but look you're on crash 2 i assume crash 3 is when is next up on the list because you're probably playing the remaster yeah right? i've got the remaster trilogy on xbox one and um, i'm only like five or six levels left in crash 2 i'm nearly sure i would mm. I, I would have probably cleared it by now but i've been so busy and just kind of devoting my time to resident evil and darksiders and i literally just completed a plague's tale um uh, yes. which is an incredible game i highly Great highly game. recommend it the story is beautiful really somber looks astonishing like everything about it i was shocked and like in the best way possible you know like uh, it was like it's very innovative it doesn't make it give you a lot of weapons to use but each weapon you use is very innovative in the way it allows you to use them you know that kind of way yeah yeah i played a little bit of it myself on game pass i think i played about just over halfway um yeah it's it's fantastic those rats though man those rats oh my lord i was seeing rats man that's another game that you just can't wait to finish because of the rats you know what i mean like you try to it's a power true title definitely but speaking of dingy environments rats and everything in between shane i have been waiting patiently for seven days now to hear Mm -hmm. your expert expert analytical opinion on Demon Souls baby tell me more yeah that's exactly how I read in the docket frame <laughs> it is an all like I wrote Demon Souls baby because I'm so excited look everyone know everyone at CGC knows that I adore and the Souls franchise and any Souls game Souls likes any games like that they're my jam so okay I'm going to give you a challenge okay uh, right. just just before you do this I'm going to give you a challenge we still need to do a question of the week so you've got 10 minutes starting now to gush. Okay, excellent. Right, so 
Um, I've already said it before, Demon Souls is actually the one gap in my Souls library of games that I've never played. So to get to play it in like glorious 4K Ultra HD, a Souls game has never looked better. Like Demon Souls is beautiful. Mm, it looks amazing. Beautiful. It's gorgeous. And one thing that really looks amazing is like uh, magic and pyromancy and stuff like that has never looked better in a Souls game. Wow, particle effects and stuff? Oh, or? particle effects and, like, watching, like, bodies disintegrate from fire into, like, ash and stuff. It's just, like, it's, oh, it's so cool. So cool. And, like, the likes of Demon's Souls, Dark Souls, all those games lend themselves to, like, really fantastic-looking environments and bosses and cool, like, character models and stuff like that. Just to, just to preface this as well, you've not played the original, have you? That's what I was saying a second ago. Yeah, that's it's the gap in my Souls library is the yeah. original Demon's Souls. So, like, you're not going to drawing a comparison to say, oh, yeah, they improved this or this is worse or whatever. This is just fresh eyes. This is f- completely fresh to me. Completely yeah. fresh. The only comparisons I have to go on would be other Souls games. But, like, playing Demon Souls as I'm only on uh, World 2 at the moment. Okay. Um, and, like... This is definitely the blueprint for every Souls game. Like, it's even from Soft's own Souls games. Like, some yeah. whole sections are just put into other games. Oh, like, yeah, yeah, copy yeah, for and sure. Paste. Like, and I know why. I know I know because they made Demon Souls and then it was like a Japanese release and then it got ported over by someone. It wasn't Blue Point, but it was someone else at the time got ported over for like the Western market. Sony kind of didn't know what to do with it. They were like, ah, people like it, but it's not a great seller and all that. And then FromSoft were like, do you know what? I'm going to take it and make my own dark demon souls with blackjack and hookers. And I'm going to call it dark, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to call it dark souls. So like you can see why a lot of that stuff is there, but it's, yeah. it's an awesome game. Um, Blue point did an amazing job. Those, those guys, like those guys are Kings to me. They did, they did such good work. Cause Does it feel like, similar to a dark souls game. So like yes. demon souls, the movement and the character feels very similar a little bit rougher, but very similar to Dark Souls One. Does it kind of have that shamble about it, or it does? It does. They kind of there's like Blue Point changed a lot of things, but there's also some stuff that they were like, it's not our place to change this. You know what I mean? They mm-hmm. did make some tweaks and improvements to combat and stuff like that, but to the point where it still feels very much like a Souls game and very much like an early Souls game. Like there is a noticeable difference between combat in Dark Souls One and Dark Souls Three. Yes. You know, and it is noticeable here as well. It's a lot stiffer and it's a lot more about um that methodical approach that yes. like like may in Dark Souls Three a bit maybe you could probably get away a bit with running in and like swinging like a lunatic and you might survive. <laughs> but it's in Demon Souls you are definitely not going to survive. You will definitely die. Um I think personally myself, um bosses in Demon Souls are a little easier than the other Souls franchises? Yeah, they are a little bit, but then the bonfires are farther between. That's what I was getting to. That was my next point. I think ah. the bosses are easier, but the world is more difficult. Yes. That was my that was my kind of, you know, that's the comparison I make between um, Dark Souls and Demon Souls is that they kind of opposite ends of the, or opposite sides of the same coin. So yeah, the, the bonfire situation is abysmal. My God, there's only one in each area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that that's my biggest criticism, uh, having gone back to Demon's Souls so many times, is um, you really do need to work out what you're doing with that boss pretty early because mm-hmm. you don't want to traipse through that level more than yeah. two or three times. <laughs> that's it. Like, that's the thing. And as well, though, I do find I kind of like it a little bit one way because it really makes me 
like be cautious and be mm. like okay i have like fifteen thousand souls i'm like miles from the bonfire if i die right now i might not make it back here to collect those and that's yes. a lot of soul that's a lot of currency in a demon souls game you know the only so, thing like, is you're only after moving into the second world um yeah. which means that you haven't come up against the grass shortage yet no, um, no, of course not. <laughs> and by which I mean, for anyone that's familiar with Dark Souls, you have an Estus flask which refills at every bonfire. Not the case in Demon Souls. No, Demon Souls takes the Bloodborne approach of like Bloodborne had blood vials which were an item yes. that dropped, and Demon Souls has the same thing. Now I'm used to that grind from Bloodborne. Don't get me wrong; I've often spent an hour grinding out some blood vials in in um in Bloodborne so I probably will do in Demon's Souls but look the game you will have awesome. to do the exact same thing it's, it's the same yeah. analogy actually yeah, yeah. <laughs> the game is awesome it's super pretty it really shows off the PS5 great Bluepoint did a great job of improving what needed to be improved and leaving well enough alone from the stuff that works that's fair play fair play yeah uh, yeah I really I really I really hope that rumour we talked about a couple of podcasts ago about Sony snapping them up like as a Sony fan if they snapped them up and made them work on a lot of older Sony franchises, if those Sony franchises got the same love that Demon's Souls got, I would be a very happy chappy. Yeah, yeah. I would love to see what would Bluepoint do on their own. You know, yeah, like me what, too. Me what too, do these actually. guys like? Do they only want to keep making games for other people, remastering them specifically, or like what would these guys do with full creative reign and a blank check? Yeah, I'm sure they don't want to spend their entire careers remaking games. I'm sure they don't like so. Maybe they do. Maybe like they genuinely love paying homage to these big yeah. titles. They are the kings of the remaster at the moment in terms of sheer amount of them they're cranking out, consistently yeah. good. Um, maybe that's a part of the market you just don't give up too easily. You know, there's yeah. big money to be had there. I'm sure. Yeah, exactly. So, like, but look. They did phenomenal work with Demon Souls. I yes. have much more to say. I'm not going to talk about it this week, but I might talk about it next week. We were going to chat about how the hints and the card system works in Demon Souls, the oh. new PlayStation UI card thing. Yes. I'm just conscious of talking too much about it. But anyway. <laughs> Give us a taste. Give us a taste. Um, unlike, so my, my fears were that it was going to spoil parts of the game. I can confirm that it does not. Oh. So the, the little tip videos are like max five to maybe seven seconds long. So how much can you really spoil in like five to seven seconds of okay. a, like a, a tiny section of a huge level, you know okay. what I mean? And then the hints and the tips are kind of in a Dark Souls vein, as in like they're a little obtuse. That's like they're helpful, but obtuse. So in the first area of Demon Souls, there's like a dragon flies along a bridge. And if you get, he swoops down and shoots fire. So if you get caught by you die. And the tip is like, oh, fire above. Maybe you should try, you know, brave the enemies below or something. And if you look around enough, you'll find a tunnel that goes below that you can avoid all the fire. Sure, sure, yeah. sure, sure. They're kind of keeping, they're playing a little bit of fun with that kind of souls thing of going like, we're not going to tell you directly, but we're going to kind of spell it out in a little sort of obtuse clue, you know? And that's the way to do it. That yeah. That is the way to do it. And again, do it. if you're if you don't want that, just don't look at it. Um, like what we were saying earlier in terms of comparison then so you're coming at this from fresh eyes having loved every other dark souls game and the pretenders to the thrones you know the spin-off type games coming from third parties um 
where does this sit currently? I know you haven't finished it, but currently, where does it sit in your pantheon of souls? I'll ask again when you finish it. Yeah, it's pretty high up there. It is pretty high up there. Like, I mm. like it a lot. Um, as someone who, as the Souls franchise went on, started missing the feeling of one, the kind of, some people would call it clunky combat. I would too, I suppose, but that more metallical combat, I started to miss that. Now I'm getting it back again. Yeah. And I love it. I really love it. Like, I'll happily wander around, like, the one area for hours, just looking for every secret, looking for every item, and, like, slowly, methodically working my way down to that boss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's one of my favorite Souls games for that reason, the original. Yeah. Um, I think that there is a little something lost from what I've seen without having played it in the kind of ennui of the um, environments from the original. Like, it was very dour and very... Not depressing, but there was a kind of sadness to the look yeah. and feel of everything. Whereas it does seem as if Blue Point kind of ratcheted up the intensity a little bit, and you know, certain things were on fire or where they weren't before, or like you know, um, they really ratcheted up the, the decorations on things or whatever. Like, and it kind of, from what I see in the videos, again, haven't played it, um, but from what I see in videos and trailers, it's like, oh, that looks a lot more exciting than it was you know yeah it is it is it's a case of like we just have all these cool new 4k textures and particle effects and stuff so it naturally improves how the game looks like yes if you're if you're standing on like the city walls of a castle in the middle of a sunshine filled day then it's on a ps5 it's going to look like a sunshine filled day on a ps3 maybe not because it didn't have the graphical power to really get those like ray traced sunbeams and whatnot and with that, play the cue. It is time. Shane, I think that has been a lovely part one check-in on Demon's Souls because we're going to hear more on the week. Oh, I'm going to be playing Demon's Souls for a long time. Multiple <laughs> playthroughs. Strap in <laughs> listeners to hear about Demon's Souls every week. <laughs> Strap in. Um, yeah, I look forward to it. Let's do a very quick question of the week before we bounce. What do you think, guys? Yeah. Alright, play the thing there, Shane! Question of the week! So, the question of the week this week comes from someone very special to us. Someone someone very near, very dear. In fact, they might even be on this podcast. Vinny Green! I thought you were going to say I believe Shane. you had a question of the week for us this week. <laughs> that would be lousy to you, yeah. Sophie. Like, I just swoop in with my own when, question. When, like, oh, thanks, Phil. Yeah, when no I problem. ran out I for the break. <laughs> yeah. When I ran out for the break, it'd be hilarious if you and Shane had worked out a new question. <laughs> <laughs> we're not that bad. We're not that bad. We didn't think of it, but we're not that bad. Um, Vinny, you had something to uh, to ask us? I yeah, think. Um, I was just thinking, since I'm playing two uh, sequels, uh, two direct sequels now, like I'm not including Resident Evil 7 as a, a sequel in the terms of what I'm speaking Darksiders 2 and Crash Bandicoot 2 are both direct sequels to original properties. And I was just curious, what would be your favorite or best, like most loved favorite, uh, direct sequel to a property that you loved? Like for me, it would be Red Dead Redemption 2 took over, like mm. took not only Red Dead Redemption 1 to new levels, but it kind of took open world third person shooting games to a whole new level as well. Yes. Uh, and I was just curious, what other titles did you love that talk could not be beat and then you had a very, very wordy sequel to it, you know? I've got an easy answer, but Shane, do you want to go first or should I? 
Um, you go. I actually wrote down a few as I as I tend to do. I wrote down a few because I can never I can never choose just one. What's the bet? I'll like pick the ones that you wanted to get. <laughs> oh, probably yeah. <laughs> um, I've got two that come to mind. The most obvious one to me is GTA Vice City. Um, yeah. I think after I played GTA 3 I thought games could never get better <laughs> <laughs> and then Vice City came and blew my mind and actually it was so good that it made the music that my mother listened to become one of the favourite genres of my uh, music tastes <laughs> you know that's how good that game was Hall and Oates gets played in my house every day you know nice. that's how good that game was um yeah and it, it just obviously up the ante on tree uh not only in gameplay in terms of uh graphics in terms of storytelling in terms of uh anything you were doing within the game you know phenomenal uh shout out and of course san andreas you can say the same four to some degrees you can say the same five you can say the same i i think that Vice City was the one that really went oh holy crap this is a you know you really knocked it out of the park here guys and this is a classic that people will look back on for years Um, the other one that I was thinking then was uh, Metal Gear Solid 3 Um, just because I loved the second game um, found it was a weird direction granted from the first game but I loved the graphics the update the the PS2 Metal Gear it was here and I, I didn't think it could get much better Tree is one of my favorite games of all time, so I was clearly proven wrong. Um, and yeah, there's, there's just nothing bad I can say about that game. I do want to say though, Vinny, I do piggyback on your Red Dead Redemption Two <laughs> answer as well. That's the uh, greatest, that's yeah, a clear choice. The greatest sequel of all time, answer. I think. Really, <laughs> yes, yes, one it of the is. greatest games of oh, all time. Definitely, 100%. it is phenomenal. It really yeah. is. Okay, Shane, uh, give us your listicle there. <laughs> Get ready for a lot of games that have two in the title. Ooh. <laughs> I know my first one is actually Batman Arkham City. Oh, great, great yes. choice, great choice. Good like, choice. Like basically, like Batman Arkham Asylum was essentially a perfect game, but the only thing it kind of missed a little bit, it did and didn't miss, was being Batman in a more open space. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And in Arkham City, gave us that. That's what I'm. I I'm in the camp of I. I prefer Asylum, but I. I remember at the time preferring City. It's only yeah. when I revisited them that I kind of made that decision. Oh yeah, well, Asylum is a near perfect game. Like you know what I mean? I love Asylum. I think it's yes. phenomenal. And what it did for the for the Batman franchise is out the wazoo. Like I don't know. I'm, 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 <laughs> anyway, right, we're not, let's not get into that. Let's go to all the games that have two in the title, please. <laughs> Portal Two. Yes, mm. great answer. Portal Two. Love Portal. Love puzzle games. Love games that can hurt my brain. <laughs> and the fact that you could do it co op, excellent. Yeah, fantastic. Portal with friends, wonderful. <laughs> We talked about this at Lent earlier on. Love it or hate it. Assassin's Creed 2. Oh, amazing game. Amazing game. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 2 was probably the one that really clicked with me, yeah. Yeah, the jump from 1 to 2 was quite a leap, you know, in terms of story and characters and fleshed out characters and stuff like that. The game's so nice they made it three times. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. For myself personally, I adore the Borderlands franchise and I loved 2. I love that they took what worked in Borderlands 2 and then threw a gazillion guns at it, as they like to say themselves. Yeah, that seems to be the consensus for all Borderlands people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, quick shout out to Super Mario Galaxy 2. Yeah, yeah, good shout. Yeah. Good shout. Took good all shout. of the chaff of the first game and uh, stripped it out and sent you around in your Mario-shaped uh, spaceship going level to level with Yoshi. Yes. And rounding out my list at long last, which is one that I have a lot of 
good time for and a lot of praise for Uncharted 2. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Huge upping of the ante from the first yeah. game. Oh yeah, like un- like if if Uncharted One is seven out of ten, like Uncharted Two is ten out of ten. You know what it's, I mean? It's yeah, undeniable. You know? Yeah, so like that had to make that had to be in there. But like, it's funny the I, amount of people that have told me that they've started the Uncharted trilogy on PS4, um, and they're like, I'm really not feeling it. I'm really not yeah. feeling it. I don't know. I'm not really into it. I'm like, are you are you still on the first one? Like, yeah, just please for the love of God, finish the first yeah. one. Yeah, and then tell me when you started the second one, is it still not grabbing you? Because it it is a bit of a slow burn the first one. Yes, um, and you can tell they're really fine in their feet. But that second game and third game and fourth game, um, yeah. Although I do have issues with their mechanics, as I always say, of course, yeah, um, of course. they are phenomenal. Like uh, Nathan Drake as a character and his whole world, I care so much about for some reason. Yeah, I really do like that. Even like in the fourth one with him and his and his wife and the kid and everything, yeah. I'm like. Man, like I'm really invested in these in these people. Speaking of which, something that happened this week. Uh, did you see the new ad for Crash Bandicoot Four on YouTube? I didn't. So, do you remember in Uncharted Four? Uh, there's a moment where Nathan and um, his wife, whose name has escaped me, um, E something. Elena, come to me. Is it Elena? Elena, is it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, they're playing on. No, they're playing Crash Bandicoot Crash. One on the couch. Crash One, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, and you get to control it and all that kind of stuff. In the new ad for Crash Bandicoot 4, uh, Crash and Coco are sitting on a couch and they're playing Uncharted 4. <laughs> oh, awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> I thought that was nice. <laughs> That's really cool. How do we think that uh, Tom Holland's going to do in the movie, considering we got the two CGC movie buffs here? Um, I'm I'm all right with it. I like Tom Holland. I think he's a likable dude, mm-hmm, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, And... I think he'll do fine, and I know I can understand why they went with a younger Nathan Drake because they're hoping that maybe they can make a franchise of it and keep oh, yeah. the same act- actor for the next four, five hundred films, <laughs> whatever they want to do. Yeah, let's keep yeah. Marky Mark on retainer for ten years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, God's that's sake. that's that's the issue I take with that film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Actually, the whole film seems fine minus Marky Mark. Yeah, honest to God, like if any of his Transformers rubs off on this movie, I swear to God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No bueno. <laughs> No bueno no, on no the bueno Mark. <laughs> But with that, I think we've probably rambled for long enough. Um, it has been an unbridled pleasure, Vinny, to have you awesome with us, sauce. I will yeah, say. Thank you so much. Um, Vinny, you are, obviously, as I said earlier, a prolific writer. You have a lot of irons in the fire. Before we sign off, do you have anything you want to plug? Um, yeah, I've got a, a book uh, coming up next year. Uh, there's no set release date on it at the moment. It's just it's definitely coming Fantastic. out next year. I don't want to give away too many details now. I'll leave that for uh, for parsing out over time. You know what I mean? Play this promotional dance. Where can, where can people find out updates if you are posting uh, them? You will find them on my Twitter page, which is uh, at Vincent Green uh, Tree, And uh, you'll find them um, on a new page that I will have coming in the next few weeks. So you'll hear more about that over the next few weeks. Fantastic. People will find that on the Twitter, I assume. Yeah, anyway. I'll be giving a heads up on Twitter and you'll find me over on Facebook as well over the next few weeks. Amazing. And as that comes out, we'll, we'll obviously uh, do our part here at CGC to help uh, push that. So stay tuned to the show as we learn more. We'll always be sure to update. Vinny, it's been a pleasure. So Shane, as always, it's been a burden. Um, <laughs> yes, <of> but <laughs> Will we take it home, guys? Yeah, awesome. let's do it. Okay. Thanks so much if you have made it to this part of the podcast, guys. As I say every week, you have no idea how much it means to us. But if you could... Find it in your heart to do us one 
final little favour. I know we've asked a lot of you already to come this long, but please, one little thing. Could you please follow the podcast? Could you please subscribe to the podcast? Could you please leave a review of the podcast on your podcatcher of choice and if you have multiple podcatchers on your phone like i do for some weird reason just leave us multiple reviews why the hell not um if you do want to keep up on all things cgc you can do so in a number of ways you can do that of course by following our socials that's the casual game community over at facebook that's at cg critic on insta and on twitter uh, i usually used to say that you can follow me on twitch at cgc underscore phil and you will from time to time but unfortunately we will be stepping away from the regular scheduling there but we do have some new stuff in the pipe that i won't announce here because i have a terrible announcement habit of saying stuff that doesn't come to fruition so let's not do that again but expect more to come so do follow us on our socials do follow the podcast all of the stuff is in the description there below i have been phil kyo for better or worse i've been joined by the fantastic shane bo shane say goodbye goodbye and the wonderful Vinny green Vinny. I'm out. <laughs> All right, guys, we are back. Good luck to Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.